Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. Find me on Twitter at Todd from PA. That's T O D F R O M P A. And uh, I'm going to be interviewing Justin Simon tonight. He is a new contributor like myself over at Rotoviz. And we're going to be taking you through a bunch of the players that he thinks are, um, are values. And that is. So this is kind of like a risers podcast. So that should be fun. Um, Continuing to have some pretty interesting news. And um, I'm going to have some more good news coming down the pike. I don't know if anyone heard me last night with Bob Harris on Sirius um, Radio. I did a 15-minute spot with him, and uh, I forget his first name, but his last name is Dempsey. Um, seemed to go pretty well. Uh, Bob said that I am going to be in the rotation going forward, and that's uh, that's a good thing. I uh, have to work on a uh, on a third pitch to to hope to stay in the rotation. But uh, that that's basically it. If you want to uh, f- again follow me on Twitter, it's at Todd from PA. You can see my articles on Football Diehards. You can also see my articles on RotoViz. If you go to my um, Twitter homepage, my my website is my author's page on Rotoviz. And if you <clears throat> sign up for Rotoviz, which is a tremendous value, uh, anyone who's serious about fantasy football, the thirty dollars will be the best money you've ever spent. But if you do it through my page, I'm donating my proceeds to. Um, Scott Fish's charity, Fantasy Cares, this year. So enough about me. Let's get Justin in here. Justin, how you doing? Doing great, Todd. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. So do me a favor. Take, tell me a little bit about yourself. How old are you? Where are you from? Uh, you know, bank account information, things like that. <laughs> well, uh, my bank account number, uh, it's – no, just kidding – um, I am 25 years old. I'm from Minnesota, born and raised, and um, I'm a, a new writer for Rotoviz. Um, that's basically all there is to know about me. So, did you do any writing before Rotoviz? I didn't actually. I'm uh, I'm just a a pretty big fantasy football fan, uh, and I really had no writing experience at all. I uh, I saw a post for a writing contest prior to the NFL draft, um, 
talking about, you know, selecting a rookie who might fall in the NFL draft and what you think that their NFL outlook could be and, you know, potential fantasy value. So I submitted an article on Kareem Hunt, and I guess they liked it. So you were the winner. I didn't even notice. I I knew that there I, uh, was a contest. I knew that there was a winner, and I knew that it was announced. And now that you mention it, I remember that it was you, but I hadn't remembered that. Yeah, I, I actually I don't think I won. I just um, they just liked mine and and like three other people's. Uh, so you know they invited me to to contribute onto the website frequently. So. That's where we're at. Cool. So, what, um, <clears throat> so your big article was on Kareem Hunt, and uh, just mm-hmm. take us through a couple of the key points in that article. Yeah. So basically, I, uh, you know, I, I kind of overviewed his his college career a little bit, and you know how how outstanding he was at Toledo, uh, and then you know I made the NFL comparison uh, using one of the Rotoviz apps the uh, box box score scout app um, comparing him to uh, he, he's very similar to Alfred Morris physically and production wise um, he just doesn't he's a better receiver than Alfred Morris is um, so which made is the comparison insane. right right exactly I, I mean I'm a better receiver than Alfred Morris <laughs> um, <laughs> you know so I you know I talked about potential landing spots i threw out uh the eagles because I, I think that was before legarrett blunt signed i threw out the chiefs um the vikings and, and one other team uh and you know he landed on the chiefs and you know i love that landing spot i'm, I'm a big kareem hunt fan so we'll see see where that goes but that was kind of the overview of of the little piece that i wrote that's interesting for a number of reasons um, I'm, I'm, I'm using the best ball app right now because I'm actually on the clock in a couple leagues and, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a little, uh, ADHD, I guess. I'm, I, I feel the need to do more than one thing at a time. And I've, right. I've got only five, I've got five wide receivers, a tight end. I don't want to take a quarterback this round. I've got Jordan Howard and Theo Riddick and the best ball app says that Cam Meredith is on the clock who I, uh, who I do like a lot, and mm-hmm. uh, and the and the first running back on the chart is Kareem Hunt. So I mean, I'm going to take it as a sign. As, <laughs> yeah, as long as his, him, why not? As long as his bye week is not. Nope, it's not. All right, draft choice, ninth round, ninth uh, pick, nine ten in uh, in best ball eight seven five zero oh, five. Kareem Hunt, boom. You so um, you're 25. Are, are you from the populated part of Minnesota? I'm uh, I'm about an hour north of the Twin Cities. I'm I'm in St. Cloud, Minnesota. That's that's a ho- a big hockey uh, place, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. They they have uh, hockey training camps uh, at at the university here every every August, and uh, our hockey team is one of the one of the better ones in the country. Yeah, I, I recognize goes. I recognize the name. <clears throat> so, um are you in the Scott Fishbowl? I am not. Uh, I, I think I missed that just 
just barely, but um, I've, I've heard fun things about it. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, trying to get into it next year. Well, I mean, 5,000 people, Scott, I had Scott on last Friday. Uh, 5,000 people applied, and it's only 720 people get in. So there's nothing yeah, against, exactly. uh, there's nothing against uh, anyone who's not in the Scott Fishbowl. Just checking. I figured maybe I'd throw a question or two uh, at you about the scoring system if you were going to be in it. Um, so um, are, are you a college graduate? Did you uh, – did you, are you, did you go to St. Cloud? Um, and if so, what's their team nickname? Uh, well, the St. Cloud's uh, college team is the Huskies, but um, I, I do I do go to school online. Um, I, I attend a school called Rasmussen, and um, I am pursuing my bachelor's degree in criminal justice. I currently have my associate's degree. So that's uh, another thing that I kind of juggle on the side of, uh, you know, doing rotaviz uh, and and working full time and being a husband. Oh, you're married at 25. I'm sorry to hear. I mean, uh, good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My wife is excellent. So. Oh, that's good. Um, you guys meet in college. Uh, we we actually were we were set up to go to prom together. In in high school. So blind date in high school for prom in and of mm-hmm. itself kind of a weird thing, right? That would make a good yep. story. And then you yep. ended up falling in love and marrying the woman. You got it. Oh man. You got to post some pictures online. I mean, of the prom. <laughs> of the prom. Yeah. Back when, when she had braces and I was just a little kid. Exactly. I think that would be great. I think it would. It might not make for great radio, but I think it definitely would make for great uh, posts on uh, on Twitter. Um, all right. So um, honestly, uh, I think I mentioned this to you as we were about to come on. My wife distracted me, and not in a good way. Um, so I, I was a little uh, surprised that it was already eight o'clock. And um, but we're we're ready. We might as well move into some of the players who you identified as great values. Um, in looking at the list, there's some people that I agree with you on, and there's a couple that I don't. When um, when I agree with you on someone, I am going to hold on. Give me a second. I'm not going to make this noise. Hold on. I'm sorry. When I agree with you, I'm going to make one noise, and when I don't agree, I'm going to make another. But I can't find my... Ah, okay. So when I agree with you, I'm going to go... And uh, I might even do it twice. And when I don't agree with you, I'm going to go... How's that sound? That sounds great. I mean, I'll give better analysis than that, but um, <laughs> at least, you know, we'll try and be a little humorous as well. All right, so the first guy on your list, I am going to give a in, – in fact, he deserves two cash registers. 
It's Kenny Britt at an ADP of 112. What do you like about Mr. Britt, and why do you think that he is a great value? Yeah, I mean, so last year I was I was one of the people who benefited from uh, taking him off the waiver wire. And, you know, if you, if you just look through last year's game log alone, uh, his first 13 games, I mean, he had double-digit games 10 out of his first 13. That, that alone is someone that you're not going to draft in double-digit rounds, typically. And I would say that Cody Kessler is at least equal to Case Keenum or Jared Goff, if not, you know, I'm not going to say he's better, but he's at least equal to them. So I think that, you know, finding, finding a wide receiver who can produce multiple double-digit ga- games, you know, whether you're talking an MFL 10 or, or even, even redraft, he's, he's all right there. I'm, I'm going to buy that all day. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree with you. <coughs> Keep talking. Uh, you know, I also think that, you know, we don't really know what who who Corey Coleman is in the Browns offense. You know, Kenny Britt could come out and just straight up be the number one wide receiver, and we saw Terrell Pryor succeed with that. I mean, Britt's not as athletically inclined as Terrell Pryor, but he's definitely, I mean, he's definitely good. We saw that. We've seen that for, we saw that last year for sure. Todd, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Um, okay. I was choking, so, you know, I figured <laughs> no one needed to hear that. Um, gotcha. I think that Corey Coleman um, and Britt are starting to finally go in the other direction. Britt going north and Coleman south. I just got Coleman mm-hmm. in the 10th round in an MFL 10, and I have no problem taking him there. Um, yeah. I think that both of them are very good people to have at the you know, once you get past the 10th round. And uh, right. Britt has performed well at, at different points in his career. It just wasn't with the Rams before he blew out his knee in Tennessee the first time he was having a big year. The only thing he's never done is have a good year without Jeff Fisher. Um, but everyone else has had a good year without Jeff Fisher. So, we'll, <laughs> you know, uh, I, mean, I, I, I mean, can't anybody imagine. could have a good year without Jeff Fisher. Exactly. Chad Fisher isn't the greatest. I mean, that's some real seven and nine, you know, bullcrap there. Um, so <laughs> right. I, I I agree with you on Kenny Britt. We're going to uh, that one, two cash registers, and move on to your next choice, which is Matt Forte at an ADP of one sixteen. Um, tell us what you like about Matt. Well, you know, with with Matt Forte, I'm I'm the the kind of person who I'm gonna I'm gonna go zero RB in almost every draft unless you know Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, David or uh, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, and AJ Green are all taken, or if I get that number one or two spot. So if I'm if I'm in the back of a draft, you know, then I'm then I'm gonna go RB. Otherwise. Um, you know, I'm going to typically go zero RB in a draft. And what I look for once I hit the round seven, eight, nine, ten 10 are 
running backs who can contribute the first few weeks. Um, and then I just, I just hope and pray that I can pull off getting a JGI, um, a Jordan Howard or having someone else hit. So in the double digit rounds with Matt Forte, we saw this last year where he comes out swinging and he puts up, you know, several pretty good weeks. I mean, he, he was looking like he was a value at the sixth round or wherever he was going last year. Now I know people are waving the, the Powell flag, but Powell's not really that much younger than him. He's only like two years younger than Matt Forte is. I think that Forte could come out and he could be a great first couple week fill in and, you know, go from there. The double digit rounds, you can't really go wrong with a, a starting running back. Yeah, I mean, I think there are questions on Matt Forte. Um, and, you know, you hear different things out of the Jets. But I think push comes to shove. He still played well when he was healthy last year. And mm-hmm. I think that um, overall he is a and a good choice. Um, what I do want to ask you about is I coined the term stack cuffing. And what's, you know, it's not the old-fashioned handcuffing where you take a backup running back to the starter just in case of an injury. But stack cuffing um, has to do with taking both running backs on a team who both have a pretty good chance of giving you value at their current ADP. So it's not something you look to force. But, you know, if Powell's getting drafted in the sixth round and you find him in the seventh and then you're drafting, you know, pick 115, 116 comes up and Matt Forte's on the board, what stack cuffing is is you take both of them at an ADP value and then if there's an injury, you you know, you're really looking good on the other one. What do you think Mm -hmm. about the theory of stack cuffing? And do you think that you would be interested in doing it in this particular circumstance? Um, I'm all right with stack cuffing. Uh, I think it it kind of it it is it is kind of hedging bets. So I I like it in certain situations. Um, you know, I would have been all for stack cuffing with when Jeremy Hill was a hot commodity and also taking Giovanni Bernard. Um, this year I'm probably going to be doing it with, you know, if I end up drafting Christian McCaffrey, I'll probably end up with Jonathan Stewart. I I don't like the idea of doing it with a team who's just awful. Um, you know, the game script probably isn't going to, isn't going to allow for one to be a true running back one. Um, I mean, and I could be totally wrong, but I'm not a big fan of doing that for a team who, you know, could end up not producing a running back one between the two of them, you know, you know, like the Jets. I think that's a reasonable thought. Um, I'm less inclined to stack up the two than I was a month ago when Powell was in the eighth round and Forte, you know, seventh, eighth round, and now Powell's in the sixth round. Now you're uh, you're talking about using up a pretty good amount of draft capital, and as you yeah. mentioned, it's not the best team. A month ago, you know, maybe they're not a number one, but I think Powell can pay off a seventh-round spot. I know Forte can pay off his ADP. 
So mm-hmm. a month ago, I definitely was into it. Now I do think it's a board, a much more borderline call. Um, I still would do it if it made sense. And again, it depends on your draft as well. If you if you're sitting on four running backs, do you want a fifth? I don't know. But if you're playing zero RB and you know you're still going to take a few more running backs, hoping that you can lock up one good running back out of a stack cuff is, I think, a pretty interesting salary. But you mentioned Jonathan Stewart, and he also happens to be the next guy on your list with an ADP of 143. Um, I was interested to hear that you mentioned that you're still interested in McCaffrey. So take us through your feelings on the whole Carolina running back situation. Yeah, I, I think that um, there's there's an allure to the unknown that that brings up the the draft capital of people like Christian McCaffrey and and Leonard Fournette um, and even Joe Mixon, and you know in turn that pushes down the ADP of the people in the same backfield. Uh, as far as the Carolina backfield goes, I still think that Jonathan Stewart is the first and second down running back. Um, again, you know, everything that we know is all just based off of our feelings and then coach speak, which none of that is reliable, but Jonathan Stewart is still 30, 31 years old. Um, we've seen production out of him still in the, in the recent past where he's produced average running back games. Um, you know, McCaffrey isn't, isn't a big running back. He's not, he's not a bruiser. He's bigger than people give him credit for, but uh, if I'm going to do the stack cuffing, uh, I think that this is a good backfield to do it on because McCaffrey could come out guns blazing and, and just totally light the league, the league on fire, um, or it could be six, seven weeks until he gets that done you know, before Stewart really starts to break down like he does every single season. Uh, I think Stewart at the ADP 143, I mean, it's the same thing with Matt Forte. I, I love drafting someone who should be should be healthy and solid at the beginning of the, the season. And, you know, he can produce RB2 numbers. You know, there's there's nothing saying that he's not able to, to come out with Frank Gore-esque season. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I think that Stewart is um, a guy who um, clearly at his ADP can be a (laughs) – but um, I haven't been drafting much Christian McCaffrey, um, not in the third round. I I just – I didn't like his tape enough to to say, wow, this guy is just going to be it between the tackles. And if he's not it between the tackles – and Cam Newton's not the best guy at dumping off to running backs. Um, you know, I had a good amount of McCaffrey back when he was in the fifth round. I even got him in my first MFL 10 of the year, I think in the in the ninth round, believe it or not. Wow. Um, and, um, and so, um, yeah, I posted that on my timeline. It might be a little lost now. I posted it a, a week or two ago. Um, but, you know, I, I just can't spend I, – I know there's not a lot of great third-round draft choices, so I wouldn't stack-cuff them simply because I'm just not drafting McCaffrey right now. 
<clears throat> and I just will take um, Stuart uh, when I when I get a chance and hope that it works out. The next guy yep. on your raw on your list is anywhere from the third running back to the second running back, and kind of unlikely to be the first running back in Seattle. But his ADP is 151. He certainly has shown flashes of brilliance at times, especially before he hurt his ankle his rookie year. Um, You've got Thomas Rawls on your list. Tell us what your thoughts on Rawls are. This is really more of a a swinging for the fences type of thing. Um, I mean, in the 150 range of, of NFL 10s, uh, you're not going to typically even find backups who are gonna who could come in and and you know be be productive. Uh, Thomas Rawls is someone who we've already heard reports you know this off season saying that him and Lacey could split the workload. Um, I'm not I'm not personally going to be drafting him in any sort of redraft league or anything like that, but. At 151, I mean, you can you can say what you want about Lacey or CJ Procise, but Thomas Rawls brings value there to where if Lacey gets injured like he has the last two seasons or anything like that, then you're looking at the starting running back for what is typically a run-first team. Yeah, I um, you know I'm a fan of Rawls. Um, I'm not a fan of the situation, and I Agreed. on one hand I could see him being sort of a Jordan Howard-esque figure, the guy who if the top guy goes down uh, or doesn't perform, but then C.J. Procise is there, and I think Lacey is certainly a much better running back than Jeremy Langford. So I have some shares of Rawls. I also can't get too excited, and typically I just don't have as much of Rawls as I would like to just because there's a little bit, you know, I'd rather take a Donta Foreman in the 15th round. And sure. He, he, tends to, he tends to be there. Um, I, you know, sometimes Joe Williams or Jamal Williams, fit, you know, fall that far. So I, I'm not against the play. I'm not for the play, so I will not bomb it, but I'm not going to give the cash register either, and we'll move on to our next target, who is Quincy Anula, ADP of 111. He has been on a roller coaster ride up the charts um, since the Eric Decker trade, and tell us what you like about Quincy Anula. Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean – I love Quincy Anunua. I, I I was, you know, on on his bandwagon last season when uh Marshall wasn't really really pulling through and you know, he didn't quite perform up to what I had thought that he was going to, but you know, he's got he's got the physical talent to be a number 1 wide receiver. Uh, I don't know if you ever use playerprofiler.com, but if you look if you look up Quincy Anunua on, on their site, the closest comparison for him is Josh Gordon. I mean, he's, he's got the physical attributes to, to be a top receiver and now he's going to have the target share to do it as well. So even, even if he doesn't succeed because he has a crappy quarterback situation or, you know, they just don't 
have a massive target load on him, he could easily end up as a wide receiver too. And then you're, you're pulling that out of the double digit rounds. You know, that's, that's a steal. All right. Um, well, I'm looking at the game splits app and with Decker in the lineup last year, Quincy and Nua had 8.33, um, uh, target. What's that? I'm sorry, PPR points, 13.77 with Eric Decker in the lineup, 9.82 without, which kind of builds on the point of your um, earlier comment that he really didn't do what you thought he would do when Decker went out of the lineup and Marshall was, you know, in and out as well. And, you know, he just didn't perform so that's one concern that I have with the man. And the other concern I have, and I'll tell you in a second, I'm going to find it. Looking at ADP right now, Quincy Inua is going ahead of Marvin Jones, Kenny Britt, Adam Thielen. Um, let's see, Mike Wallace. Yeah, those uh, Richard Matthews. So that's four guys that I would take ahead of Anua. You earlier mentioned the fact that the Jets um, aren't the best offense, and they also brought in a lot of young receivers who I think they're going to want to bring along. Um, and if Josh McCown's not the quarterback, I mean, the whole team could be a dumpster fire in the passing mm-hmm. game. So I hate to do it to you, but I, it's not that I dislike the player, but I just have to. You know, you know what's funny is uh, all the other receivers you named, they're not the number one receiver on their team. You know, you, you would draft Adam Thielen, uh, Marvin Jones, Kenny Britt. All of those receivers are the number two on their team. They're not going to. I mean, chances are they're not going to see the target share that Quincy Nunwa sees. Well, I I am open to being wrong. Um, I just, you know, look, we we uh, yeah. you know, the whole I mean, we can agree to disagree is, on him. Yeah, that 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 that's good. I mean, you're not the only one who likes him a lot more than me. That's why his ADP is rising so much. Um, and and look, I've been we all make tons of wrong calls and I thought your rebuttal (laughs) that he was a number one where my names were number two I would say that that's a very good point I'll also say that the number one receiver on the Jets could easily not do as well as the number two on some of the other teams that I mentioned Um, that's fair and I I, and again you know the fact that when Eric Decker was out, he was expected to step out. I played him in DFS. A lot of people played him in DFS. And it wasn't even just one week. You know, he disappointed me three or four times. So, you know, maybe I'm bitter. And, uh, you know, it's a recency (laughs) bias on my point. But uh, we'll move on to the next player who is um, the muscle hamster, Doug Martin. You like him at an ADP of 75. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I like the, uh, I mean, Doug Martin's had two 
1,400-yard seasons. Three-game suspension is nothing when you could fill that in with Terrence West or even his backups, Jaquiz or Charles Sims. Um, we've seen his back, you know, we've seen Charles Sims have the full workload. He's not taking the role from Doug Martin. Uh, Doug Martin's going to come in and be the number one running back again. And I think at at an ADP of 75, even even accounting for the three game suspension, that's that's a heck of a deal. You know, that's a potentially a number one running back. We've seen him do it twice uh, behind a lot of a lot of worse names. You know, you, you're taking him be in the same realm as um, players like Mike Gillisley, where we don't really know if he's even going to be the starting running back behind James White or um, Deion Lewis, or let's see, who else is he going around? Um, I got it right here. Bilal Powell, Derek Henry, Doug Martin, Derek Henry, Eddie Lacy, Paul Perkins, Adrian Peterson, Theo Riddick, Samaji P. Ryan, and then Frank Gore. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm taking Doug Martin over over all of them. They, I mean, there's not a not a doubt in my mind that he has the ability to become a number one running back again. He's done it <clears> twice. <throat> I'm going to say young. I'm going to say that. You're probably right because I never get Doug Martin right. Every year that he was that he's bombed out, I've owned a lot of them, and every year that he's done amazing, I've owned almost none of him. And I I own very I own a lot early when he was in the twelfth and thirteenth round, mm-hmm. and you know I, the, the reports are very very positive on him. And I, it it absolutely could be a bias on me because I've been burned on him really bad a couple times, um, but I just haven't been drafting him. I I I guess I should consider doing it more, um, but it, you know I think you know so, w- w- the assumption that he is going to be the good Doug Martin and not the bad Doug Martin when he gets back is a little bit of um, a question mark in my mind. Is that fair? Yeah, oh, yeah, that's definitely fair. I mean, as far as the good Doug Martin, bad Doug Martin, we've seen him, you know, struggle with injuries and stuff like that. And then, you know, at the beginning of the season last last season, he wasn't doing so hot either. So it's definitely fair to say that, you know, he could come out and just put up a stinker again. But I'm taking taking the total upside and the – Sixth, seventh round on a person who could be a running back one. Yeah, and and I and I could certainly see that. I'm not going to cash register it. I'm not going to explode it. <laughs> I think that he is one of those guys, though. If you get it right, he can win your league. So good exactly. for you and 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 the ones like you who are loading up. Um, I probably should. Let me look real quick. Let me look at my exposure. And and some of the best ball apps not capturing all my lineups, so it's not a hundred percent accurate. I've got you know I've got four percent, so not a lot. Um, so I wouldn't mind getting that up a little bit before the the season comes on. So uh, good stuff there. Um, by the way, this is your first podcast ever, right? It is. Yep. 
you are doing very, very well, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Sure. Uh, compliments are easy, as I always say to, uh, you know, to, when thinking about dating. Compliments are easy. Relationships are hard. So we move on to the next group of players you've got listed. And these are players who were hyped up last year and didn't perform to expectations, making them a value this year. The first one is a guy that two years ago I owned. He was one of my top three owned players, and he did pretty good in 15. Um, And I didn't own much last year, and maybe it was because sometimes when you get a guy at a, a value for a while, it's hard to pay full price for him. And so Mm -hmm. I missed his bad year, and it's John Brown, who's at an ADP of 91. Um, I think he has every reason to pay off that ADP. I don't have a ton of them, but um, why don't you tell us uh, why you like Mr. Brown as a bounce back? Yeah, I mean, John Brown, he's, he's a great player when he's healthy. I mean, 2015 was a solid year. Um, that was kind of when he started coming into his own. Uh, we saw, you know, well, he had just over a thousand yards and seven touchdowns. That's, that's a pretty good year considering most people probably got him, you know, in the double digit rounds going into 2015. Uh, going into last year though, I mean, he was, he was hyped up beyond belief and, you know, he had his sickle cell, trade uh assist on his spine things like that that caused him to not be and the able whole to, offense just the whole yeah, offense the whole just offense wasn't what it had been sucked, except for david johnson of course and um Fitz. and Fitz, yep so i mean we've seen uh carson palmer be able to to share the ball share share the load with um multiple receivers you know, there's going to be regression in David Johnson's receiving game. Uh, there, there almost has to be. So, hopefully, I, you know, this, this is more of a hope for me, John Brown, because I, I love him as a player. But I, I could see him, him coming back into form, putting up another season similar to 2015. Um, and, you know, his ceiling could be even higher than that. But I, I think we're going to see a heck of a heck of a lot of uh, I don't know, a better year than last year, you know, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I I, don't own Brown, even though I love them. And it's one, honestly, it's one that really scares the crap out of me. Um, mm-hmm. Because someone's going to catch a lot of balls in that offense. Fitz can only catch so many of them. I, yep. I, I will tell you, though, that I do own a good bit of the third receiver in that offense. And that is J.J. Um, Nelson. No, I, yeah. I, I, I think that he is – I do have 6% of John Brown, so it's not like I've completely avoided him. It's only slightly underweight. Um, but J.J. Nelson, I'm up to 11.5% on. You get him wow. in the 15th, 16th, 17th round. He is a really good best ball wide receiver because if he catches, you know, three passes for 80 yards and a touchdown three times in the season, you're golden. And mm-hmm. did you ever see the heat, the heat maps that I do? 
Uh, I don't think I've seen those, no. Okay. Um, there's an article. I forget what – there's two There's two of the articles are on Rotoviz, and two of them are on uh, for free on Football Diehards. And I, f- okay. I think the wide receiver is free on Football Diehards. And when you look at Nelson, his pro – and what I did basically is I tracked the percentage of, to- of times that someone got 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, and 40 points. So, and again, this is nothing against John Brown. Um, I'm just making a, a point here since I started. I think it's kind of interesting. Why is it? Oh, it must be hidden. Hold on. Hate when I do that. Dead air is good for a podcast, by the way. Oh, definitely. All right. So, um, J.J. Nelson got 10 points 43% of the time. Twenty And, and if you remember, he didn't do much the first half. So, uh, he got 15 points 21% of the time and 20 points 14% of the time. See, I like that out of a, you know, a sixth or seventh wide receiver. Um, any oh, thoughts yeah. on J.J. Nelson? You know, I I haven't even looked to draft him. Uh, I I saw the potential when John Brown was out, um, but I John Brown's the receiver that I want between the two of them. I get the value, but um, but you know, I guess in yeah, I think time, no, I'm, I don't I'm think pro- it's I'm probably gonna, or, yeah, I don't yeah, think it's an either or proposition. I um, I don't think it's an either or proposition at all. I like your thoughts on John Brown, um, and uh, in fact, I'm going to go. Even though I don't own a ton of them, I think that it's a, uh, you know, he certainly is. You know, him and Doug Martin both fit the profile of people who you you can have blinders on, and 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 then at the end of the year you're kicking yourself that you didn't have more mm-hmm. of them. Um, I don't need that much more John Brown to even up my exposure, though. Next guy on the list was uh, another guy I started drafting early, but I don't have much of. It's Marvin Jones. He, um, I started getting back on the Marvin thought train a little bit. He's one of those guys I always want to draft, but there always seems to be someone I like more available at the same time. Does that make any oh, sense? Yeah. I mean, yep, Kenny Britt, I have Thielen. That, uh, I have that dilemma all the time, especially around that area where you, you get to start starting to name Kenny Britt, Adam Thielen, uh, like we talked about before, Quincy Inunua. Um So I, I do end up passing on Marvin Jones too. But I I, I think that, um, you know, we, we saw we saw what he can be at the beginning of last season. You know, he's he's someone who can put up wide receiver one numbers for a pass-first offense in Detroit. Um, and, and what really put him back on my radar was an article, um, I think Anthony wrote it at Rotoviz um, just a couple weeks ago talking about uh, Marvin Jones. And, and I think that his potential really is, you know, up there, I, I, I don't know how to, 
how to pass on him, but I, I still do somehow. Yeah, well, the one thing that uh, that kind of threw me back off the Marvin train, and I do think it was a Rotoviz pod, and I apologize to whoever whoever sent it because I don't remember. Uh, but there was recently a, a uh, no, you know what? It was from the Fantasy Feast, and I think it was Scott Barrett talking about the um, the cornerbacks and who played good against bad cornerbacks, and Jones's. Oh. First couple weeks were against really bad cornerbacks, but I, okay. I I do like Marvin Jones. I you know I don't own much of him, but I do like him. Um, all right, we got two more names to get to. Uh, one I haven't been drafting. Even though he was one of my most owned guys two years ago, like John Brown, Duke Johnson. Um, I think that Crowell has started to get overdrafted. And it's because so many questions happened to the running backs that were being drafted in the third, fourth round. You know, mm-hmm. Ingram, Ware, um, C.J. Anderson, all of them got a lot of competition. And the fact that they dropped has caused Crowell to now be drafted in the third round. I'd like your thoughts on both. I, I, I find Crowell now too expensive for my liking. I don't know that there is much safety and upside. You know, the Browns are still not a good team. Um, right. But Duke's an interesting guy. Sell me on Duke. Well, so it's, as far as Crowell goes, I actually um, – I was I was really on him as soon as Cleveland shored up their, their offensive line in free agency. Uh, you know, you've got analysts saying that, They've got a top five offensive line now, and, and we know that great offensive lines produce good running backs. So I, I started to look more into Crowell, and I wasn't really impressed with the things that I saw. I mean, I was looking at snap snap percentages from last year, and, and Duke Johnson was on the field about 47 48% of the time throughout the season, and Crowell was about – 53 to 55% of the time. Um, and that's so, not what you, you know, want out of a third down back. Exactly. Exactly. You, you see, you see Crowell being drafted in the third round and you think, well, Oh, he must be the workhorse this year. And you know, they have a great offensive line, so he's going to have an excellent season. When in reality, a 53% snap share is not, is not a workhorse running back. That's, you know, that, that's not someone you want to draft in the third round of, of your drafts. So Just I've been kind of looking idea, at, I have, I have, yeah. I have 8% of Crowell, but I don't think I've drafted him in a month. I, I own him at an average pick of 43 and his current mm-hmm. ADP is just under 33. And that's a big difference. Those 10, uh, it, that early 10, 10 spots is a lot. Oh, absolutely. And if you if you look through the um best ball app and you and you do a focus on him going back to March first, he's gone up from the seventies to to the third round essentially. A- so absolutely. he his, his one is that, out of control. Do one with those names that I mentioned, the guys who dropped. It's a really it, it, you could do a podcast just on that whole you know, Hyde dropping, Ingram dropping, Ware dropping, mm-hmm. 
and that's you know and and CJ Anderson you look from the beginning of uh you know February the end of February all those guys have sharp declines and because of that you see Crowell and Montgomery going up and Mixon yep Mixon's yep. another exactly. guy who's just not sold on that early yeah exactly me too um you know so then the other you know as far as Duke Johnson goes um this is this is one that's really it reminds me a lot of the the 2015 Jeremy Hill Giovanni Bernard thing where Jeremy Hill became extremely overdrafted and Giovanni Bernard went down to the point where he was he was a really good value um and Gio was you know the satellite back in that system and Jeremy Hill was the first and second down back and Gio ended up being the one who who fantasy owners, you know, actually got real production out of. Um, you know, that happens to be the same coach, Hugh Jackson, as it was back then in, in Cincinnati. Um, but even even looking at last year, you know, 2016 Duke Johnson versus Isaiah Crowell, they only ended the season about 60 points apart. Duke Johnson had uh, – better yards per carry. He had more targets. I think in, in the double digit rounds, I'm, I'm going to take Duke Johnson and, and just hope that he can produce, you know, a few double digit games. If I'm going that zero RB route, you know, again, a guy I don't have a lot of, um, but I'm going to give it a uh, cash register because I like the thought. I think he is a guy who, um, you know, and then if somehow Crowell gets hurt, he, he could he could do like you said, do a Gio Bernard. All right, last guy on our list is a guy that um, I initially in February profiled as a guy I wanted a lot of, and then I got caught taking a lot of Ertz and Rudolph, and I, I it's not that I don't have a decent amount of them, I do. And I especially like stacking him with his quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you know, when his quarterback is available, I own. Don't mind me. I own eleven percent of this guy. It is Kobe Fleener of the Saints. Tell me what you like about the Cobster. Now that he doesn't have salon um, quality hair anymore. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, he was again someone whose whose ADP was out of control last year. He was being compared to as the next Jimmy Graham. Um, you know, people people were just going nuts over him, assuming that he'd immediately be a top five tight end in in the Saints system. Uh, I'm in redraft leagues. I'm probably going to take Fleener uh, if I'm punting the tight end position to the end, which which I occasionally do. Um, I think that he just has, he has a ton of upside. I, I, you know, there's everything that everyone said about him last year still applies, except for now he's had more time in the system to get used to it and to know what he's doing. Um, You know, he's not. And go ahead. Cook who's gone. You know, everyone just, you know, I, I love how people just assume, right. People just assume, like, all that volume is going to go to Willie Sneed. 
And I, I, mm-hmm. I, if you if you go way back on my timeline, I saw him in the preseason before anyone knew who Willie Sneed was and made a post and said, "Don't sleep on this guy. I think he's a, he's a player." And mm-hmm. I like Willie Sneed a lot, but that assumption that Sneed is just gonna you know dominate a big part of Cook's job, I think there's an opportunity for Fleener to get a fair share of that those looks as well. Exactly. And when you're talking the 8th, ninth, 10th, all the way to the 15th tight end, um, all, you, all you're looking for is, is someone who can break out. And, you know, when you're comparing him to Jack Doyle, um, O.J. Howard, Hunter Henry, I'm t- you know, I'm going to take someone who's, who's has a quarterback who's produced a top three tight end for multiple seasons. Um, well, you know, he has the athletic and, profile to do it. Go ahead. Oh, I mean, he just has, he has the athletic profile to do it. And now he has the opportunity, like you said, with cooks out. Yep. And even with his year being as pitiful as it was, he put up 15 points and 20 points, 13%. So basically he put up 20 points, 13% of the time. So, you know, if he can improve, if you look at the people being drafted around him, like you mentioned Doyle, Doyle had 10 points 40% of the time, 15 points 20% of the time, and 20.7% of the time. Uh, Fedorowicz, 43, 14, and 7. Hunter Henry, 40, well, Hunter Henry's not being drafted by him anymore. Um, but Fleener at 27, 13, 13, and he even had a 25-point game 7% of the time. Fleener does have that upside that you really want, as you mentioned, in best ball. Um, I'm going mm-hmm. to move away, and uh, it was another one of these little fate things. I, I didn't draft the whole time we uh, – we're doing the pod, but I did look at one other one, and as fate would have it, Doug Martin was like the fifth name coming up. I had started with five wide receivers. A.J. Green was the first pick. Uh, Doug Baldwin was the second. Uh, boy, I don't remember the order, but I, I, it's Keenan Allen, Doug Baldwin, Martavis. Uh, yeah, so Allen was third round. Diggs was fourth round. Martavis Bryant I got in the fifth round, and I just took Doug Martin to go with them. If Martin is what you think, that is a, that's a dangerous team. Exactly. That's, that's the kind of team that wins it. All right. So that's going to pretty much do it. Um, why don't you tell everyone how they can find you on Twitter? And, um, you know, really good job. I'm, I'm really glad you came on. Oh, hold on. I forgot something for Fleener. Uh, yeah, well, people can find me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is Justin Simon FF. Um, you know, I'm willing to interact with anybody who isn't a jerk to me. <laughs> you know, I, that's kind of my motto as well. I'm serious. So, like, all right. There's no, yeah, there's no I mean, need it, to be a jerk in life. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm going to give you, for your first appearance, oops, nope, I hit the wrong button. That wasn't meant to happen. 
that that was really embarrassing. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna give you three cash registers up because you were money the whole way through, and I accidentally hit the bomb. So, um, I wasn't trying to be funny that time. Uh, that literally was an accident. Um, hey, Justin, anything else you'd like to tell people before I lead out with a song? Uh, I'm I'm good to go. Thank you, Todd. Thanks for the opportunity. I really enjoyed having you on. If you have any article that comes out uh, in the near future where you feel like um, you want to do another pod, just let me know. And um, we're going to lead out tonight instead of a, a, a song with one of the old um, NFL songs. It is the Over the Hill Gang, and it might sound familiar because I kind of stole it from my theme song. You know what? Let's lead out with the song. What do you think, Justin? Sounds great. Uh, nah, we're gonna do a we're gonna do an NFL song. Good night, everyone. The autumn wind is a pirate. Blustering in from sea, with a rollicking song he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash, with a silver hat about his head, and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain big and bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider, pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. <laughs>